Father, I thank you for these young people. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit might minister to each and every one of them. And Lord, it's hard to leave friends behind. But you're the one who separates us from that, Lord, which we should not be with. And Lord, teach us to keep improving. That, Lord, you'll help us if we ask you for each step of life, for each test we take, for everything we're going to learn. If we ask your help, the word says you're an ever-present helper. You'll help us. And Lord, to whom much has been given, much is required. And oftentimes, Lord, we feel like we're overwhelmed. But Lord, you desire to see those, oh God, who can run, run swiftly. And to be an example to others. And I pray, Father, those who are in leadership positions where other people can see them, may they never shine away from it. May they desire to be future leaders. And may they desire to do their very best in everything that they put their hands to for your glory. And Lord, we commend them into your hand and into your keeping. Show yourself a real God to each and every one of them. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, never be shyful about your intellect. Be there studying. Always looking to learn more. Don't get satisfied just in one area. Learn, learn, learn. Life itself is a school of learning. And you want to learn all you can learn. Father, we thank you and praise you. May you teach us your people today as we sit in your presence. May your Holy Spirit minister to us. Even the one who speaks, putting to the side that the Holy Spirit might teach your people. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The whole thing with the salvation in church is this thing of teaching and the Holy Spirit and his teaching. The church suffers or Christians suffer for lack of teaching or desiring to learn. The Berean says, yes, I want to learn. And they went and they checked out everything that Paul had taught them. They wanted to see if it was true or not. And that's the same thing you should do here. Never accept the word of a pastor. Never accept the word of a pastor. You go search it out. You study it. Why? Your life depends on it. Your eternity depends on it. So you don't trust a pastor Sunday school teacher, a deacon, elder, you go search out what you have heard. And let me share something with you. 
a lot of pastors don't study. They just pick up another person's sermon and go preach it. They got so many sermons online that you can buy. But there's something about digging into God's Word for yourself and then teaching it. And then teaching it. And you want to dig, you want to dig, you want to dig. The Holy Spirit, He teaches us. And you and I need to understand something. God is a teacher. God is a teacher. God teaches His people. If you would just do your own charting of Israel coming out of Egypt, and what God began to teach Israel. God teaches. God taught Adam. He's a teacher. The purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was never meant to save anyone. Man coined the whole thing, if I do the Ten Commandments, I'll be okay. No. Man taught that if you follow certain rules and so forth, you'll be saved. No. The law was never intended to save you. That was not the purpose of it. And the law is given 430 years after the time of Abraham. So what did man do during all that time? Judges tell us. Every man did what was according to what was right in his own eyesight. In other words, whenever there's no law, man makes up his own law. Whenever there's no law, man rules and governs himself. And when that happens, there's nothing but failure that takes place. Nothing but failure that takes place. Now, the law was added because of our transgression. If man was ever going to deal with his sin, he had to first understand he was sinning. He was sinning. And even today, people don't understand that they're sinning. They're just doing. They're just doing. They're just doing. Most of us who sin will not call it what? Sin. And we don't call it sin because we don't recognize it as what? Sin. Now, for the Christian who knows that it's sin, then it's a transgression of God's law. It's the breaking of God's law. It's the breaking of God's will for your life and purpose for your life. 
But the law came because of the transgression and because the law began to teach men, you're wrong. And therefore, in Romans 3.10, it says, by law is the knowledge of what? Of sin. But guess what? If Satan can keep you out the book, you won't even know what the book says about sin. And that's one of the biggest things that has happened in church life, that Satan keeps us out of the Bible. Therefore, we're out of the Bible. We can't really identify what sin is, and we think we're good people. We think we're doing okay. We think what we're doing is the right thing when it's the wrong thing. And what we don't understand is that we bring curse upon ourselves. We hurt ourselves. We make our own life miserable. And then we blame other people for our misery. No, I'm the one who jumped into this. Can't blame anybody else. I'm the one decided to do this. Can't blame anybody else. And he says that sin, the knowledge of sin, came by the law. It comes by the law. And man oftentimes don't want to deal with law. I was uh, speaking with somebody the other day at the gas station, and I was sharing with them. One thing about man is simply this. He doesn't like to follow rules. You can give somebody a very simple rule, and guess what? They'll break it. They'll break it out of their own consciousness that, oh, this isn't necessary. Oh, I shouldn't be doing this. This is silly stuff. Rules are always for a purpose. Rules is always to see how you're going to conduct yourself. Understand this. If you break the most simplest rule, you will break the ones that are major and primary for your life. Because you have not taught yourself or disciplined yourself enough to follow the most simplest rules. When I was a young person working, Mr. Beeler, he was the head custodian at Grace School back then, and I would get to school around about 6 in the morning because then you had hoppers you had to fill up with coal. And my job was to, with about four or five other school kids, we go in, we shovel coal into the hoppers that would feed the boilers. But before we would go in, Mr. Beeler will always have me go somewhere else. And I finally just, why am I going over here? For what? It's a waste of time. Simple little rule. Gus, I just want you to go over there. And just wait about 10 minutes, then come on over. And then one day, I didn't do it. Not knowing Mr. Beeler was watching me all the time, just to see if I did it if I report over there for 10 minutes. And that's the day I got fired. He said, you can't follow my simple rule, even though you may not understand it. You're going to break another rule somewhere else. And the rules that I have around that boiler is for your safety. But if you'll break this one, then you'll break that one. And he fired me. 
But I learned even the most simplest rules need to be followed. But it took me to discipline myself to do that because I thought it was foolish. What am I doing over here just waiting 10 minutes? What am I doing? Just 10 minutes waiting. Well, he's the boss. He's the head custodian. He told me to do it. I needed to just do it. I was still getting paid. It just didn't make sense to me. But because he said it, he fired me because I didn't do it. Simple rules. Romans 7, 7. It simply says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. So I want what somebody else has. Now, I may not want to work for it, but I want it. And if I want it bad enough, when he's not looking, I'm like, what? No, we're going to call it stealing. We call it borrowing. We just didn't ask to borrow it. We just took it. And you see kids do that. If they want something from some other child playing with it, guess what they do? They just take it. Well, that happens to us as adults also. But we don't know that it's stealing if the law did not say do not steal and do not covet. And then 1 Timothy 1.9, boy, he makes it so clear here. The law is not for the righteous man. The law is not for the righteous man. And it's strange how sometimes the Holy Spirit puts Scripture together here. It's kind of laughable. It's not for the righteous man, but again, in Romans 3.10, there is none that is righteous. So the law is for who? For everybody. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Who all needs the law? All men. And the whole process is that we need something that shows us about sin. Now, God is the teacher. Go to Exodus with me. Chapter 4, 14 and 15. Because, and we're going someplace with this, so just kind of follow me along. In verses 14 and 15, he says, Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? Because Moses is trying to get out of a job that the Lord has for him. What about your brother Aaron and the Levites? I know he can speak well. He is really on his way to meet you. And his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. Now, now, now catch this personal pronoun here. I. The Lord. Look what he says. I will help both. Now he's just saying, hey, Aaron's a good speaker. Now, God didn't say, I won't help Aaron because, boy, he's an excellent speaker. 
okay, Moses, I know you stutter and so forth, so I'm going to help you some. But he says, I will help you both. I will help you both. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. Now, underline that. Because in life, God will teach you what to do. If you have an ear to hear and eyes to see, God will teach you what he wants you to do. Because he understands who we are. That we don't have the ability or the fortitude or the will or the courage or the know-how to do what he has called us to do in life. God is truthful. He knows that, boy, when men look at women... They need to flee if the thoughts are wrong. Now that also goes for women that look at men wrongfully. In the church, one of the things we've lost in the church that was vital for the church, when you think of your sister, when a man thinks of his sister, He didn't see his sister in this light or that light per se. But when he saw another girl, he saw her differently than his what? Sister. So in the church, years ago, we used to go around and say, Hi, Sister Ann. That put my mind as she would be my what? Sister. And my thoughts about her would be proper and correct because I'm seeing her as a sister. And we did that likewise with brother. There's brother so-and-so. There's brother so-and-so. And we related that as family, as brother and sister. And we knew boundaries for brothers and sisters. Now we don't call it and everything in church is fair game. Don't come to church looking for a husband or a wife. You might pick up a devil. The whole process, there was a purpose behind that philosophy and speaking in that manner. Because God is going to teach them what they are to do. Again, God is a teacher. In Exodus 18, turn over to it. And starting with verse 20. 18, 20. He simply comes down. He says, teach them the degrees of the law and show them the ways to live. Now, now there's two things that are supposed to happen. You want to teach and then demonstrate how we live this Christian life. You just don't want to teach theory, teach doctrine, teach this, but you want to demonstrate it, how it goes together, that you might live it out. There's no, hey, to have a lot of knowledge up here and have nothing in here leads to nothing. 
You can have all kind of knowledge. But if it don't drop down into the heart where you live it out, and it becomes the standards and principles of your life, you just got knowledge, but you're not living by it. But when it drops down into the heart, then it becomes part of the things of life that deals with the real issues of life because the real issues of life proceeded from the heart. And when you have to deal with it in here, not just up here, it makes a difference. Because the real issues of life come from the heart that you deal with. And he just simply says, teach them the decrees and the laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. Now, a lot of us come for knowledge. Don't tell me what my duties are. I'll select my own duties. Show me a job you go on that a person doesn't say these are the duties that you are responsible for carrying out. These are the things that you need to do. I can tell you in the classroom what you're going to be doing, and, and I can show you films about it and so forth, but when I put it on you, it becomes your duty to do it and to carry it out. And he says you want to teach them, show them how to live, and then their duties that they are to carry out. In Exodus 33, go ahead over. Exodus 33, 13 through 16. Catch what he's going to say. And he's talking about the presence of God. I want to hook this to a New Testament also. Because God says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. But the only way he does that is through the Spirit. And there's only one Spirit. The Spirit of God the Father and the Spirit of God the Son. And the Spirit is none but one Spirit. Not three different Spirits. One Spirit. But he's talking about now this presence of God. In verse 13, Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, stay hooked to the word presence. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else? Now catch this. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth. Did you hear what the question is? What's going to distinguish us? What's going to make us different than anybody else? When you look around the room, we're all the same. Anybody missing a nose? Anybody... Missing any limbs? Anybody got three arms here? Anybody got a third lip? I mean, we're all basically the what? The same. And and people are asking this question. What make you Christians 
different from us. So they label us with what they call self-righteousness. No. The text Moses says, Lord, what's going to distinguish us? And what distinguished them was this, God's presence with them. What distinguishes us today is God's presence in the form of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us that distinguishes us from any other group of people. It is the Holy Spirit, His presence in us, that distinguishes us, that sets us aside, that makes us look different than anyone else. Crystal, come on up here. Crystal's going to Arizona to be a secret Christian. She's going to Arizona to hide. She's going to play the Jonah. Uh, Sit on down here a moment. Tell me what this church may have taught you or what this church has meant to you. Where's that mic at, Mama? Number 14, whatever 14 is. Um, Don't cry. (laughs) The church taught me to pray. Um, If I can give like three seconds. Oh, okay, five minutes. Five minutes. Um. Let me see where I can start. Like five years ago, I knew this was going to happen. Once Dorian graduated high school, which he just did it um, Tuesday, um, that we would be moving to Arizona. And so we downsized, um, got rid of a lot of stuff, but, you know, we still had stuff. Um, Within this last six months, um, about seven months, um, we started getting stuff in the mail, and the people that we were renting from just stopped paying their mortgage. And so I was really upset and just like, you know, we've been paying them rent. They're not taking care of business. Okay, God convicted me. Maybe they're having a hard time. So um, I just continued to pray. And what happened was um, the landlord came to us and said, you know, you guys have until about April. Why don't you just stay here rent-free? And so I'm like, oh, okay. So that allows us to, you know, stack our savings. Awesome. And um, so April came, and the whole time I had been looking on the sheriff's sale to see when the house would um, post for sale. Um, so it posted on April 5th. Um, it sold on April 5th, and um, the realtor guy came to us and said, um, well, we just wanted to make sure that somebody was living here. Um, and we're like, well, we're here, but we're moving out of state. Um, can we have until June? And the guy was like, absolutely. But if I can take you back until October, November, um, <clears throat> I was in turmoil. I'm running from person to person to person. Like, 
is this where God wants me to be? Am I supposed to be in Arizona? You know, my two of my boys are staying here. Don, um, Dorian is going with us. And I was just broken. And I, my prayer was, God, if this is where you want me to be, that you would just comfort my heart and allow me to know that this is where I'm to be. And he did that. He gave me such a peace in my heart that I know that it only came from him. And the other prayer was, Lord, you know this trip is going to be expensive, and you're just going to have to provide a way. The realtor guy came back to us and said, if you guys get everything out of this house, we're going to give you $5,000. That's the Lord. That is the Lord. And I just continue to pray. And my mom said, there is just a peace that surrounds you, Crystal, that wasn't there. And I was running from person to person, but I never stopped once to pray. And that's what this church has taught me, that y'all know me, okay? So every time I go through something, I'm crying. I'm running from person to person to person. And one thing that I have learned out of the 20 years since I've been back, that I have to take it to prayer. Amen. And that this is a praying church. This is a church that where I can bear my soul. This is a church that loves the Lord and you can feel it. And I've already started my search in Arizona and people, there is nothing out there. I'm scared. And I pray that you guys would pray for a church for me. And that you would just continue to pray for my husband's salvation. Pray for Donovan and Dante who are staying here. Um, And that the Lord would just continue to give me a peace and open the doors for us there. Now, you heard her story. Put her story with the scriptures we just read. Who's there? The presence of of God. And God distinguished you by his favor that you belong to who? To him. Yeah. His presence gave you peace. His presence ordered your steps. His presence opened the door for $5,000. His presence How will we distinguish ourselves? By his what? Presence with us. Thank you. I guess she was figuring when was I going to ask her to come up. But it's right in that area of God's presence. God's presence. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. We're his people. And his presence today is with us through the Holy Spirit who resides in our hearts. In Jeremiah 31, 34, he said, No longer will man teach his neighbor. And his word says that they all will know me. Well, how is God going to do that? Man's not going to teach it. And when you look at the Old Testament... It was man, mainly man, 
doing the teaching through the prophets and the priests, although the Holy Spirit would teach one, then they were to teach others. But when we get into the New Testament, it is the Spirit who teaches each and every one of us. It is the Holy Spirit who teaches each and every one of us. Or may I say it in this form. The Holy Spirit confirms truth to us. Because there's so much that we hear. There's so many different teachings that we'll hear. That the Holy Spirit then confirms truth to us. Go over to a couple pages over chapter 35. And young people, hear this. By trade, I'm heating and air conditioning. Because I told my dad I didn't want to work in the rubber shop. And I learned something. People who have a trade work easier than people who have labor. The other thing I discovered, people with a trade at times can make more money than doctors and lawyers who really know their trade and be a master in their trade. Now, I want you to take what we're going to read in these texts, and I want you to understand, there are things that are talents, but I want you to see who really teaches, who really gives the ability, who really gives knowledge. Now, I can play a guitar. You may not distinguish what I'm playing, but I can make the guitar just because, boom. Now, I can come over here and play this piano, but it may not make much sense to you. You may not be able to pick out the song that I'm playing or whatever, but we can play. But then what man has to ask is this, where does that ability and skill really come from? Where does your ability and skill really come to? You can have a talent, but what really makes it a gift is when the Holy Spirit takes over the talent and goes beyond what the individual themselves are capable of doing. So pick up in verse 30 for me. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Ur, Uriah, son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God. Don't leave that part out. He had filled him with what? The Spirit of God. Now let's go a little further. What did the Spirit do? The Spirit of God with skills. God gives us skills. But those skills come through the Holy Spirit. Skills. Israel coming out of slavery didn't have a lot of skills. 
but God begins to equip them with skills. Then it goes on and it says, Ability. You know why a lot of people don't step out doing something? Because they evaluate themselves and they say, I don't have the ability to do this, so I can't do it. They never ask the Holy Spirit to help them to do it. So therefore, they're only leaning on their own, what? Fleshly ability to do it. I never come up here without asking God to help me declare what he wants to say from here. I can break down stuttering in a moment. I can break down tripping over words in a moment. And the worst thing for me, I'm scared of y'all. I was a loner. I wasn't around people. I stuttered all the time. I was made fun of all the time. Had wingworms all the time. So it was just better for me to just grow up by myself. And you ask my wife now, I don't like crowds. I have to force myself to be in a crowd. And sometimes I ask myself, God, why did you ever call me to do this when I got to deal with folks and I don't want to deal with folks? But he gives you the ability to do what you say you can't do. He gives you the ability. And then look what he gives you. Knowledge. Now remember, all this is proceeding from who? The Holy Spirit. He gives you knowledge of all kinds of crafts. Preaching is a craft. Teaching is a craft. It's something that God has to instill within. God has, you can go to school for it, you can do, but God is the one through the Holy Spirit that has to give you the ability to really do it. And he has to give you the skill to communicate it. Where people can grasp it and understand it. He gives you that ability and knowledge and all kinds of craft to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze. They weren't doing that in Egypt. They were making bricks out of straw. They weren't working with these other things. And God gives them the skill and the ability to do. God does it. And the Spirit taught them all kinds of crafts. And the Spirit gave them knowledge and ability. As a Christian, don't never sit back and whine about what you can't do without first putting the effort up front and see how the Lord might use you. You let the Lord use you. The first thing that you ought to do, be able to say, now I can't, Lord help me. Because it's in there. It's in there. And if God wants to show you how to do it, he's going to give you the skill to do it. And you will do it. 
according to what Scripture says. Whatever your hands find to do it, do it with all your might for the glory of who? Of Christ. Do it. Whatever your hands find to do. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will enable you if there's first a willing heart. The problem with a lot of us, we don't will to do. We don't will. We're very simply say, I can't. And we'll only do the things that we assume physically we can do on our own without any help from the Holy Spirit. And I want to share this with you. What you can do on your own, still ask him for help. Because he's the one who causes us to shine. He's the one who puts us up front. He is the one who gives us favor in the eyes of people. He is the one who opens the doors that have been closed. He is the one that calls people to lose sight of this person and fix their eyes on you. He does that. He does that. Now, Go to John 14, because this is where all this is going to. Because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And oftentimes we forget that as Christians. It don't matter what degrees you have behind your name or what you might be called. The Holy Spirit can still teach you. It's good to be taught by man, and, I, and I'm not against teaching. I'm all for education. You need to get all the education that you can get and that you can afford. But never forget that your education is nothing but foolishness before God. And God then empowers you to do. God empowers you to do. God gives you wisdom. He gives you knowledge. Now, in John 14, 18, he simply asks this question, or it is stated in this form. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. Now, there's a reason that statement is made. What happens to orphans? What happens to orphans, most likely? They're not taught. They're not with people that, they, that love them. They're not really going for, ed, for education. They're not being pushed or directed. My son adopted four children. All four of them, as I listen to him talk, he's doing the same thing that I did. There's no choice about college you're going <laughs> Those are not his biological kids. But he's pushing them towards college. The one young man is improving, and this young man at six, seven, eight years old, his mom would go off on a binge, and he would be locked out of the apartment on the porch sleeping. And and neighbors would try to feed him. When he first came to my son, he would hide food in his drawers. Because he never knew if he was going to eat again. His two sisters, he never lived with. They lived with another family. Grandma was raising him. But she became, she was 87 years old and she said she can't do it no more. So she gave him up. Gus got him. Then when the two sisters 
the man that they were staying with did something that he got a felony and they could not stay in that home with him with a felony. So they asked my son if they would take the two sisters. Now, they've never lived together. He knew he had sisters, but he never seen his sisters. And now they're trying to forge them into a family. The first one, Kai, they got it two weeks old. And my son and I, we learned a, a lesson about each other at that point. Because it was like three or four months earlier, he called and said, Dad, can I borrow $5,000 for what? For a house. You better go look for another house. Because somewhere you have to sign a thing that you didn't borrow any money or anything like this. And I'm not gifting $5,000 to you yet. And he called back just about three or four months later. He said, Dad, can I borrow $5,000? For what? We want to adopt this child. Most of the money has been paid, but I'm 5000 short. You sure this is the one you want? Yeah. Okay, I'll send the money the next day. And then he came back to me later. He said, Dad, why wouldn't you loan it to me before? I said, this is going to be my grandson. A house you can go get any day. You you need to downsize into something that you could afford. That's a huge difference. You see? If you ask the Holy Spirit... To give you the ability, he will do it. If you ask the Holy Spirit to teach you about your finances, he'll do it. If you ask the Holy Spirit about your relationships, he'll guide you through them. In everything, if you will ask the Holy Spirit about why he's been appointed to guide you. Well, you say, well, I can't make the decision. God gave me a brain. Yes, he did to communicate with the Holy Spirit. To know when something's too much for you and something's too hard for you. And even when you ask him about the hard thing, you'll begin to ask him about the easy thing. Even the things you know you can do, you'll still ask for him to help you. Because he can even make it easier from that point. He doesn't make us orphans because he knows if we're left to ourselves, we will go astray, we will be bankrupt, we will destroy ourselves. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 20. He knows exactly what would take place. And then look around at our society today, especially with church folks. It was so good to hear the young girl say, what? I'm having to leave some of my friends. I'm having to let some of my... Because that's exactly what has to happen. Why? Bad company corrupts good company. you got to really be choosy about who you hang out with. Why? You'll pick up their habits. So in 20, verses 17 through 18... Excuse me just a moment. He says, let me get to 20. Completely destroy them, the Hittites, the Amorites, 
the Canaanites, Perizzites, Hittites, Hevites, and the Jebusites, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Now, listen why God is commanding that to take place. And listen why God sometimes has to say to you, say bye-bye to folks. Listen to it. Otherwise, they will teach you. They will do what? If you don't hang around church and you hang around the world, the world's going to teach you. If you hang around a bunch of friends who don't care about marriage, they're going to teach you it's not good to get married. If you hang around a bunch of adulterers and fornicators, that's what you're going to become. If you hang around someone who's always gambling and not trusting the Lord, that's what you'll become. You'll do and live like the people you hang around with. That old saying, the birds of a feather do what? Flock. That's true. And he says, otherwise they will teach you to follow all the detestable things they do. It's the world that teaches shacking up is okay. You can't find that in the Bible. You can't find in the Bible where it says to try and see if this will work out. You do a test run in marriage, just living with somebody to see if this thing going to work. The marriage bed is undefiable. God has a purpose in that. Ladies and men, when you withhold yourself from your lustful desires, God enables you because God got something far better for you. It says that the Holy Spirit, I'm going to jump ahead of myself just for a moment. It says the Holy Spirit reveals God. My wife and I dated for five years. But she never saw Gus Brown. I never saw Elaine Morgan until our wedding night. That's important. That's important. A young lady should never reveal herself totally to a man until wedding night. A man should never reveal himself totally to a woman until wedding night. And when the Holy Spirit reveals God, reveals the Lord Jesus Christ, what he's talking about in a sense, he unclothed for you can see the purity of God. You can see the holiness of God. That you can really see him and know him. And he says, they will teach you. And too many of the church people are being taught by the world rather than by the church. Let me rush on. Do men make their own gods in Jeremiah 16, 20, 21? And the answer to that is yes, they do. They'll make their own rules. But in John 14, 14, he says, I'm going to give you the spirit of truth. Why? God is not a God of confusion. God is a God that wants to teach you, educate you, uplift you, 
put you on a new height than what you've ever been before. He wants to reveal things to you that man cannot reveal. So in 16, in that verse 16, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth. Why? The Spirit of truth is going to begin to speak through who? Through you. Even to your teachers at school, the Spirit of truth will teach knowledge that is needed that you can speak. In 21, he says, he'll show myself to him. The Holy Spirit will reveal Jesus Christ to you because you can't discover him on your own. It takes the Spirit of God to show, to teach the things of God. And it's based on this. Do you love me? As you go through those verses there, you'll find... He that loves me keepeth what? My commandments. The revealing of Christ is based on your love for Christ. If you don't really love him, and you're not really trying to please him and keep his commandments, you are the religious person, but you are not the one that is being that revelation or revealing is taking place in a very personal way that you can see the Lord work in your life. Now go jump down to that verse 26. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the counselor the one who gave all the skills back in the Old Testament, the one that where God said he would teach, the Spirit would teach. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Now, catch this. Then stay with me for a moment. And will remind you of what? Everything. He is going to teach you, and then he's going to what? Remind you. Because your little mind cannot contain everything about God. But the one who dwells in you is able to remind you of the things of God. The Word of God. And he brings it back to remembrance for you. Look real quick. Slow up clock. Uh, look at verse 30 in chapter 20 real quick. Just to give some understanding to this, that he will remind you. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded where at? In this book. So, they're not recorded, but the Holy Spirit knows of them, and he will what? Remind you of them. He will remind you. And it goes on a little further. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have what? 
Yes. In His name. In His name. John 21, 25. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Do you understand what the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of? The things of Jesus that are not even written down. The power of our Lord and our Savior. Now, closing, the Holy Spirit is simply this. He is to teach. He teaches skills, gives ability, knowledge. He reveals Jesus and the standards we are to live by. He demonstrates the victory of Jesus over Satan in our lives. He demonstrates the victory of Jesus over Satan. Where at? In my life. Elaine and I would not have gone on 54 years of marriage, going 55 years of marriage, if it had not been for the Lord. That's a lot of years with one person. That's more time than I spent with my mom and dad. But the Lord enabled us to overcome other things that would get in our way. We had bumps in the road. We have had detours in the road. Everything has not always been peaches and cream. But the Holy Spirit guided. He demonstrates victory of Jesus over Satan in our lives by teaching us that we are conquerors over sin by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you. The Holy Spirit wants to enable you. Understand this principle. The main thing the Holy Spirit is going to teach you is about Jesus. But then the Holy Spirit will teach you everything else that is stated in that Bible. He will teach you how to be a debtor to no man. He will teach you to owe no man nothing but love. He will teach you how to love your wife, how to love your husband, how to love your children. And you may say, well, I don't know how to raise this individual. He'll teach you that. He'll teach you how to get along with your boss and your co-worker. He'll teach you how to handle your attitude. He'll teach you when to shut your mouth. He'll teach you how to speak kind things to other people. And he'll put you with somebody that you can't stand. 
and he will tell you to love that person and he'll give you the victory. The Holy Spirit is not just teaching you about Jesus. He's teaching you about everything in life. He's teaching about what even isn't written in this book. He's teaching you. He's teaching you why we are his people. And we need to be what? Taught. We need to be taught. My people perish for the lack of knowledge. Father, thank you for ministering to us. Now, Lord, help us to be what James says, not hearers only. For some of us, Lord, we may be able to digest it. For some of us, Lord, we may only be able to take a tablespoon of it today. But whatever we take, Oh, Holy Spirit, would you go with that person and continue to remind them and teach them and minister to them? Would you show yourself real in their life? And if they're not saved, would you allow them to know that the only way you can really function in teaching them the other things is if they themselves are willing to commit themselves to Jesus Christ? Because your first teaching is to convict them of their unbelief. Your first teaching is to show man that he does not believe in Jesus Christ. Lord, would you work in each one of our lives? For we are your people And we are the people in whom Christ died for. Would you teach us through your Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name, amen.